Welcome to Systems Meet Humanity. Shine in a spotlight on the intersection where business structures meet emotion. I'm your host, Marina Darlow. Let's dive in. My guest today is Jamie Slotsky, a lifelong techie who thrives when connecting online tools together to benefit her clients and their audiences. She's the CEO of Techo Business and host of the podcast by the same name. Hey, Jamie, nice to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So this conversation is going to probably skew more towards the tech that we usually do on the show, because Jamie, as you heard from the introduction, is a tech whiz. (laughs) That's what she does. She deals with, I want to say nuts and bolts, but we no longer have nuts and bolts in our (laughs) technological professions. So she deals with the virtual nuts and bolts of the systems that we put in place. So first question to you, Jamie, when people come to you, do you feel that they are tech averse usually, or is it the other end when, say, they set all their hopes and expectations on the tool that would solve all their problems, or is it anything in between? Like, what can you say about that? Uh, You know, I think it depends on what they're coming to me for. Uh, A lot of times it's a tech concept that they are excited about implementing, you know, whether it's a a course or a membership site or a virtual summit or a webinar, whatever it might be, they say, I want to implement this. And then they come to me because they're like, but I don't know how. (laughs) So can you put it together? And it's so funny that you use the description of nuts and bolts because I use that all the time to describe what I do because people of you know who are out there they actually still know that term even though it may not have relevancy to what they actually do so yeah people are generally looking for the the nuts and bolts to put it all together you know it's interesting i read an article about the big appeal of steampunk from cal newport who i follow for a long time now And what he talks about is that nowadays, all of our systems, most of them, are so virtual, we don't have anything tangible to hold on to, right? All our work is essentially knowledge work. It's all in our heads and in our computers. And we have nothing to say, put our hand around. Yes. Uh, Whereas steampunk has the vibe of, you know, emerging technology and wonders happening in progress, but it's very, very tactile. It's very, not just visual, but it kind of mechanical in the way that's easier to grasp. So the magic is there, but you have the illusion that you can understand it. Whereas in today's tech, it's essentially, especially for those of us who don't code, I know that you code, (laughs) it's a complete and utter black box. It is. I find that people have an issue with tech. It's harder for them to grasp, not just to understand, but to kind of wrap the head around the idea because it's all kind of inside the flat screen. It is. It is. And, you know, I mean, as you were describing that, I'm thinking to myself, that's why I like to use certain keyboards when I'm coding and other keyboards when I'm using social media, for example. I mean, honestly and truly, I like to use my keyboard that I can actually feel my keys 
pressing down and stuff. Whereas when I'm using social media, I'm totally fine using my iPad or my phone or anything like that because it's a different feeling in a different way that I go about it. And I want that feedback. Like I want that actual tactile feedback when I'm coding. I feel like I'm accomplishing something as a key is being pressed and I'm seeing it on the screen, but it's different when I'm like on social media. (laughs) Right. Right. Like you need some kind of physicality because the tech is so completely virtual and devoid of this physical feeling in our reality. Yeah. I'm not even going into virtual reality. <laughs> no, that's another time. But yeah, I think that when I'm working, I need that feedback. But when I'm socializing on social media, I don't need the feedback in the same way because I'm getting it through auditory or visual stimulation instead of work where work is work and you know needing the feedback in that sense. So. That's interesting. That's interesting that we kind of pinpointed this distinction. I have another question. So are there any fundamental issues that you find for your clients that the tech doesn't solve? Or is it no such thing in today's world? (laughs) You know, I think the technology, as long as you're willing to invest money, can solve all of the problems. If you've got a limited budget and you can't necessarily buy the pieces of technology that need to go in place, then there may be a hole in the process. And I can think of an example where I've got a client who purchased a couple of pieces of technology to make a virtual summit work, but then there were a couple other pieces that they just wanted to use and there was no automatic integration between them And there was no way to go from the pieces that he purchased into the pieces that he also wanted to use in any logical way without spending more money. So I think that there are enough tech solutions out there and enough innovative people out there to solve the problems through technology, but it's not always feasible. That being said, I also think that sometimes it's mindset. Sometimes there are roadblocks outside of the action that has to be taken that prevent the success, that there's no chance that tech would be the right place to solve that problem. Like what? Because I very much agree with this idea, but I'm curious on your take, like what cannot be sold with tech? Marketing? (laughs) I think that marketing only works if you've got a strong message. So technology can deliver your marketing message, but if you don't have a strong enough message and you don't have a strong enough distribution channel, even though that's still technology, if you can't come back to the core concept of what you're trying to use technology to, to deliver, you're not going to be able to achieve what you want. But if you don't have enough substance, no amount of tech is going to cover your basis. Yeah. So there is still some time before the AI completely replaces us. We still need our creativity and ideas in order to project them into the world. So what are the issues people usually come to you with? What do they usually come to me with? They usually come to me with the idea for running a summit or creating a course or doing something new with the technology that's out there or with something that they've seen someone else do and want to focus on 
creating it, but not on the pieces that make it so that it's actually in front of their audience. So what I generally do for my clients is all the tech between their content and their audience. And so they come to me to put all of those pieces so it's kind of like when bricklayer is putting out all of the bricks for a chimney or for whatever it might be or for a road. That's my job. I put all the bricks in place and I put the mortar in place so that they stay where they're supposed to be so that everything works. And so they come to me really to define both what that chimney or that road looks like as well as making sure that the mortar is going to stick. And you're responsible for the mortar. I, I'm responsible for making sure that the bricks are the right size and the right shape and they're going to go in the right place and then also the mortar. <laughs> yeah. Talk about, you know, tangible visuals to explain our virtual work, right? <laughs> we go back to masonry. We go back to, you know, all of these concepts that were developed in the industrial revolution. There's a reason why that was a revolution. We're in the tech revolution now, but we're going back to the stuff that we recognize as revolutionary to, in order to describe what we're doing now. And I'm sure back then they went and used things from you know, the Renaissance period to describe what they were doing in the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Although I think now the revolution is in such a different plane and I hate to say it, right? Because I was the one that usually disagreed with. Now <laughs> everything is different. I was like, just think about, you know, the generation of our grandparents who couldn't even fathom the idea of a laptop. That would be completely foreign to them. It's a non-concept. I mean, my husband's grandmother lived to 102 and she lived in New York, in like Queens, wow. New York. Do you realize what happened? in the 102 years in New York City that she couldn't have ever fathomed? It's ridiculous. It's more <laughs> so, you know, my parents, if we're speaking about lineage, my parents were born and raised in Soviet Russia. Yes. And now they live in a Western country. And they're very technologically adept, especially my dad. And for him, the things that are happening are essentially science fiction that he was reading as a kid. And some mm -hmm. of them weren't even in the science fiction books. I remember a couple of years ago, I think almost a decade, when the Wi-Fi just started being on the trains, I was going to an internship, to an interview. Mm -hmm. And I realized that things were missing from my portfolio. So I emailed the FedEx next to the interview. I emailed them, you know, prints for my portfolio and picked them up on the way to the interview, put them into the folder and just went and interviewed for the job. And then I told my dad and he goes like, I can't believe it. You print stuff out from the train ride. Who would have <laughs> thunk that's even possible? I know. I know. It is pretty incredible. I mean, my husband and I were very early in bringing Wi-Fi into our townhouse when we first lived there. And that was like 16 years ago or something like that, that his computer was upstairs with, and the router was there and my computer was downstairs. And instead of, you know, running cables, we did this Wi-Fi thing and it was so novel that people didn't understand how I was able to do anything on the internet on my computer because it was downstairs. <laughs> yeah. And here we are now where we walk around with these phones that have way more 
way faster, way more reliable internet connection. And you can do, use them anywhere as long as they're cell service. <laughs> right. And now to explain what the heck we're doing with our technology, we use bricks and mortar and masonry <laughs> as visuals because it's just too... It's abstract. Exactly. It's like too out there. You know, do you have any favorite tools that you use or that your clients use? Oh, you're going to open this can of worms? I can't believe you're going to open this can of worms. Pick um, three. Pick three. And- if I have to pick three, well, then the very first one that I'm going to say is Zapier <laughs> because Zapier is a connection tool. It allows you to connect just about any software service with just about any other software service, which means that I can use pretty much any other tools as long as I can use Zapier. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yes, definitely, definitely. Other tools that I probably could not live without. Um, I'm a lot more flexible on those, but definitely need something that can allow um, some kind of email automation and creating email sequences. And personally, I use Active Campaign. I use that with a lot of my clients. And uh, I don't know. I don't really think that there needs to be a third one that I need to list out. <laughs> I see. Like I heard somebody swear by the virtual scheduler. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely, and I use Acuity and I, I love it. I use it all the time. I just set up a new appointment type this morning. So I do it all the time, and, but I could do a lot of these things with any number of tools. So I'm not, I'm a little bit tool agnostic, I guess is the best word. Tool agnostic. I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's on one hand, it's great because that makes you more flexible for whatever type of client you're working with. And I'm with you. I can use whatever tool, unless they're horrible, like some of them are really bad. But in the context of this interview, I'm like, hmm, you're not going to recommend anything specific to the listeners? Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's a point of an, on its own. The tools are tools. They help you accomplish a task and the right tool. I will always recommend the right tool when I'm working with someone, but there are a lot of right tools depending on what you're working on. I mean, I use Thinkific for course delivery if Mm -hmm. I have the choice. But if a client comes to me and they're using another course delivery platform, I'm not going to make them switch. So that's kind of where I feel like I'm tool agnostic. I've got my preferred list, but I'm not going to say you have to use this. I see. Why do you like Thinkific? Because I used a different platform at the time and it was great, but I never tried Thinkific. So I'm curious. And we don't, like, I wish I was affiliated with them. So it's not a shameless plug for Thinkific. It just... Oh, but I am. (laughs) And I'm honestly curious, why do you like them? There's a couple of reasons why I like them. I found that they are very relatable. They're very responsive. Like their help desk is very responsive. And I, I like their ba- the back end of the system. It feels very logical. It does a lot of things that uh, some of the other ones do in two or three steps. It's able to do them in fewer steps. Also, when I found out that they were a company based out of Vancouver, BC, that kind of hit a, you know, a soft spot for me because that was where I was born and raised and it's only a couple hours away from me here. So I've been to their offices a couple of times with uh, some of their staff. So being able to put a face and a name and a physicality, putting that, those things in place has really solidified my alliance to them. I see. I like <laughs> that. In general, you know, from a very different perspective, I keep hearing about how do you choose any kind of service provider? 
And especially when it comes to the really intangible things like social media management and uh, marketing and strategy and all these things that you can't really put on a scale and measure or very clearly understand why one is better than the other, right? Mm -hmm. For instance, if you measure a pound of wheat next to three pounds of wheat, it's very clear which pack is bigger. But if you compare two strategy coaches to one another and one costs 50 bucks an hour and the other is 500 bucks an hour, how do you know who's better, right? Exactly. It's who's better for you. Who's better for you. So it all comes down to this personal connection, right? It all comes down to, to the voice and the message and the language. It comes down to the personal connection, especially for like smaller businesses that really... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when the person is what really makes the weather in the business, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People ask for referrals and suggestions from their peers and their friends and their associates. And they'll take that advice far faster and far more often than a comparison chart that they found on the internet. Now, you use tech day in and day out. And yeah. I remember that when it was my case, like now I work with people and with written contacts much more than I work with specific tools. Um, but at times when I was heavily into, like my work was much more technical, be it in project management or interior design at times, I remember developing a very strong relationship with some of the tools that I used most frequently. I wonder if you have that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I guess so. I, again, I'm, I'm pretty tool agnostic. Um, when I'm running a project, like when I'm running a virtual summit or I'm running a, let's get this course off the ground, I'll run those through, um, a project management tool and we run it in my project management tool. And I set all the, the criteria and I use it the way that I want to use it. And rarely do my clients ever say, no, we have to use my system. So I, I kind of run the project in that sense, but that's, that's about it. It's interesting because, so you must be really neutral. You must be so fluent with tools that it doesn't really matter to you what specific tools you use. Because uh, I remember this very strong love-hate relationship with stuff like Revit. It's a graphic program that I used way back when, when I was studying interior design. And you love it for the capabilities and for what it allows you to accomplish. And you sometimes hate it when it doesn't work exactly the way you expected because you did push the right toggle button or you're trying to do something new and the program is so freakishly capable. It's kind of hard to find what exactly or how exactly you need to bend it in order to do your bidding. And you don't have that. Not generally. Again, I mean, I've got my my tools that I, I like to use. I mean, when it comes to graphics and creating graphics for uh, for websites or for courses or for whatever I might be working on, I'm I'm a Photoshop gal. Even though I probably would have an easier time with Canva, I started using Photoshop, and I'm like every time I'm in there, I get to use something, use it, and feel good about it, and it feels like the right tool. Whenever I go into Canva because a friend of mine says, hey, can you take a look at this? Or somebody that I've hired or who has hired me has something in Canva. I can do it 
but oftentimes I'll download it and put it into Photoshop to before I mark it, mark it up and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also the, you know, the familiarity, like we all have the bias towards the familiar for the yes. longest time I was doing my graphics in PowerPoint for the longest time. It's like embarrassing to admit. No, you know, I create a lot of my downloadables in PowerPoint. I create a lot of my downloadables in PowerPoint. I create a lot of them in, in Word. I create a lot of them in Photoshop. I cannot remember the last time that I used the same tool for the same kind of task more than three times in a row. So I'm always moving things around. <laughs> Interesting. Why? So that I stay excited and I have fun putting it together at just as much as having fun with the content. I have fun putting it together as well. I don't know. <laughs> I see. Interesting. So you can see how technical your approach is really uh, showing because I'm skewed a little bit in my view of the world because the people I work with, they sometimes like, you know, fiddling with the tools, but in general, they try to focus on the core and the tools are, how would I put it? They're kind of the barrier between you and the final result. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the tools are often the barrier for sure. They're the what causes stress. They're what causes you to give up on a project. I've seen people completely give up on a project if they've got the wrong tech tools in place. Yeah, the tools can make or break it. So what kind of people do you usually work with? That's a great question. I work with people who want to do something new online. And I know that sounds so general. But I have worked with people who work one-on-one -on -one with people in their local towns, you know, in the fitness industry, for example. That's a really good example of people that want to do something new online. I've also worked with, you know, with real estate agents or with coaches. I work with therapists. I work with educators. I, I work with a lot of different kinds of people. But the type of person that I generally work with is someone who is interested in doing something new online and is ready to embrace it. So they are open and excited about doing something online. And that is a lot of different people from a lot of different types of industry. But that's what brings them all together. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. And where can these people find you? So I am at uh, techofbusiness.com. That's kind of the home base for what I'm doing. And, you know, they can find me on social media. My Twitter and Instagram is techofbusiness. And I'm actually in the process of transitioning a couple of things on my Facebook page. But pretty much techofbusiness.com is where I'm at. And I actually have a gift for your audience. Oh, that, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. It's at techofbusiness.com forward slash gift forward slash systems meet humanity. So we can make sure that that's in the show notes, but that's a gift on my top tips for hosting a virtual summit because that's one of my passions that I love helping people put all the pieces together so that they can host a virtual summit. That sounds juicy. Virtual summits are such a big project and their impact can be so great if done correctly. And it's also where the stakes are high in the sense that you do need to invest quite a lot, effort, sometimes money, technology. Yes. So it has to be done right. Because if you write a blog post and it kind of meh, you wrote a bad blog post. But if you put together a virtual summit, the amplitude between like really amazing to a complete flop is so big, you better do it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to be spending 
three months working on this project, you're going to have a lot of people involved in it, even like just as your speakers and everything else. So that's why the way I describe it is I work in the tech between your content and your audience. If you can create great content and you can curate an amazing audience with your marketing efforts, my job is to sit in the middle, making sure that all of your content is able to get delivered to your audience on time and on schedule. And that's in the framework of of the virtual summit. It's just a great platform for having a lot of technology work together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamie, thank you very much for being here. It was an illuminating conversation. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. And to the listeners, we'll talk next week as usual. Thanks for listening to Systems Meet Humanity. There are show notes and goodies at systemsmeethumanity.com. We'd love your support. Subscribe, leave us a review, share, tell the world. I'm Marina Darlow, and I'll talk to you next week.